Hey guys, this is Coach Keita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training, joined today by Sam Callahan from Callahan Training Group. And this is the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Today we're going to talk about red dots a little bit and get into sort of the crossover between USPSA slash shooting sports and, you know, basically your day-to-day real-life shooting scenarios. All right, Sam, go ahead and introduce yourself. How's it going, everybody? I'm Sam Callahan, uh, owner of Callahan Training Group. Uh, I manage a range called Double Eagle Outdoors up in the Poconos. Um, I'm basically a shooting coach. That's the easiest way to put it. That's kind of how I introduce myself to people. Uh, I've coached a lot of things in my past. I'm currently still a CrossFit coach, and I look at myself the same way. And uh, that's why me and Kita get along very well, because I know she calls herself a coach as well. Uh, I, I like this as a sport. I really like this as a um, uh, something that you could take forward into um, your shooting life, we'll call it. And I'm sure we'll touch into that. And uh, it's, it's just fun to be able to coach people in the whole process and get people better and better, not just sit there and teach a class and then everybody leaves and I don't see them again. All right. So to start off with, since this was our most recent thing, we'll get to the red dot thing, but you just assisted with my class. And we had an interesting guest in that class. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, we've had interesting guests before, that's for sure. But this was a cool one. Um, so everybody growing up in the shooting community is kind of uh, refers to the old Magpul videos and all the old shooting videos and the old instructors. And I don't say old in a bad way. I just mean the original guys. And the what do you know it? Yeah, the OGs. Yeah. And what do you know? Um, I was hosting Chris Gosta up at our range at the time. And he decided, hey, why wouldn't I step into this 180 firearms training class? And he jumped into your advanced class. And it was it was cool to see. It really was. It was very interesting. Yeah, by advanced class, you mean the train smart class. I wouldn't really say one is more advanced than the other. They're just totally different things. Yes, 100%. One is very movement focused yep, yep. with a little bit of vision. The other is very how to coach yourself focused with a lot more vision training. Yes. So and what were I, your I, takeaways from that? I, it was interesting watching him process and see somebody who's been shooting for so long process all the new things and and see um, one of his comments struck me. He was like, it's going to be cool to, to, to process what I just did and take it to my students and take it to my people. And that was very cool to hear as well, because that's kind of how I'm, I'm always kind of standing on the hilltop screaming that I was like, of anything, just come learn to compete so that you could take it back to your people. And he did just that. And it was cool to see. And something you got to um, push him to, which was fun, is hey, guess what? Uh, we got to fail. Um, you have to miss. You have to screw up. We're not going to sit here and drill A-zones all day long. And it's it's really um, an interesting thing to see uh, really, really accomplished, uh, obviously very good shooters pushed outside of their comfort zone and then realize, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't so crazy. Oh, I could do this. I can manage this. I can change this. So it was very cool. It was, it was a very uh, interesting class as a, um, obviously somebody who's been aware of somebody like Chris Costa my whole life. But uh, it was also interesting as an instructor to like, a, we'll call myself a novice instructor in comparison to Chris. It was, it was very cool to see um, somebody as accomplished as Chris uh, kind of take a back seat to you and just, okay, cool. Let me try that. Okay, cool. Let me try that. And, and really be a good student in the class. He was, he was an amazing student. Really. It was cool. Yeah. And he let me take his class as well. And I returned the favor. We help each yes. other out. We're all students yes. for life. Yes. So the thing about, pushing him outside of his comfort zone is 
you're going to learn a lot more from a miss than you are from an alpha, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing it in practice and making every bullet count, you want to push until the wheels fall off, then dial mm -hmm. it back. But mm -hmm. if you never push, you're never going to find the line of what you're able to do. You're never mm -hmm. going to get better. So yep. if you're really pushing speed, you figure out how fast you can go. Yep. And then eventually your eyes just catch up. Exactly. You keep shooting that yeah. fast in practice and dial in your hits at the end of practice. Yep eventually your eyes do catch up to that pace. Mm -hmm. You realize you're seeing a lot more than you thought you were seeing. Mm -hmm. You just weren't aware of it. You're seeing it. You just can't really compute it all right away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, obviously we're going to talk about red dots today, but red dots being a newer thing. I don't care how um, long you've been shooting. If you've been shooting as long as Chris or, or any of us, it's still pretty new and we're still gathering data on it. So it's cool to be able to share the data we have in the uh, shooting sport side with him and, and kind of make it click where you could use your mind. You could use a lot of the, the follow-up and calling shots and a lot of the, the mental programming that you teach in anything. It doesn't need to specifically be for sports shooting, but you could use mental programming in anything. I, I talked to a lot of my, my SWAT and, and police officers about that. Yeah. So what do you think about that? These guys who are out training for real life scenarios they don't want to miss because you're responsible for every single bullet that leaves mm -hmm. your gun. So how do you tell those guys it's okay in practice to have misses when you're pushing to that next level? So, so the way I relate it to all my people is you have to find 101% here where there is no danger so that you know where your 100% is so that you never cross over that path. If you're always shooting at whatever your perceived ceiling is, uh, you'll blow through it at some point and you'll never have felt that in a real life scenario. And I don't want my guys in a, a going to a domestic or going to some horrible incident. That be the first time they have to shoot 17 splits. I don't want that to be, God forbid, the time the, the, they have to track their dot through a bunch of transitions. I want to push them well beyond that and then relate that, hey, now that you've done something that is probably statistically never going to happen to you in real life, now we can talk about relevance to real life it, it's very easy to to push them in the sports sense and then show them why why it would matter in the real life sense it's 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 very helpful it is all right well let's switch over to red dot you just said something interesting tracking your dot <laughs> everyone's gonna hear that and say no don't track your dot it's slow well there is an yes, exception yes. you want to talk about that well, I mean, the way I, sorry. So I'll, I'll reiterate what I was saying. When I say tracking the dot, I mean being responsible for where your dot is. And okay. Kind of I thought magical, you meant something else. No, that's kind of a magical little thing we've been talking about and everybody has their words for and everybody has their, their hot button teaching keywords for. But it's essentially what I mean is just um, being able to be responsible for where your dot is in space. And that is a very okay. open-ended Mr. Enough. Miyagi statement. And I'm... Um, I, I liked that open-endedness side of it. Okay, so the thing I thought you were alluding to, I'll just talk about now because you brought it up, well, inadvertently. <laughs> but let's say you're shooting a plate rack. Those targets are pretty close together. If you can pick up your next target within the window of the dot, it's actually much faster to keep your eye on the dot and pick up the next target through the window versus taking your eyes outside the window to find it and then bringing the dot mm. back on that is the only scenario where you More want micro to micro transitions yeah right yeah transitioning yeah. while following the dot yep when 
if you can see the next target through the same window. And that's so, so funny too, because you're right. Somebody's going to hear that and scream to the heavens. And yes. It's like, yeah. You know <laughs> what? To, like, there's a place and time for everything. And that's the funnier thing right now. Everybody goes so hard one camp or the other. And I'm like, yeah, guess what? There's going to be one place that you're wrong. And do you want to be wrong or do you want to leave just that little, that little open mindedness to say, hey, there might be a time I might, I might track that right. down. It might be that one time it might help me. It really might. So the reason we typically don't want to track the dot between targets is because I do vision training and the slowest eye movement you can have is called a smooth visual pursuit. That's where your eye doctor holds your pencil in front of your face and you have to track mm -hmm. that pencil eraser mm -hmm. back and forth and they don't want to see your eyes jumping all over the place. Mm -hmm. So that is a very slow eye movement. But do you know what we use that eye movement for? In shooting? Mm -hmm. What is something that's moving that we have to follow? Oh, that's movers, not the swingers. Yeah, a moving yeah, target yeah, or yeah, a play. Yeah. Plays. So we have to use that very slow, mm -hmm. smooth visual pursuit to match the pace of a moving target, but mm -hmm. it is the slowest eye movement. So if you're using that and you're not tracking a, a moving target or picking up another target within the same window, if you're just transitioning from target to target, and you're yes. following that dot, you're using the slowest eye yeah. movement you can possibly be using. Yep. And the fastest eye movement we have is called a saccade. That's where your eyes jump from one focal point mm -hmm. to the next very, very quickly mm -hmm. and suppress information in between. Like if I told you, hey, pick out everyone in the crowd with a red shirt, you would automatically suppress everyone not wearing a red shirt. Mm -hmm because during that saccade, you suppress visual input that's not needed and mm -hmm. you pick up what you do need. So as that translates to targets, you're picking up your spot on each target. You're not seeing the edge of the target mm -hmm. looking for brown, you saccade over that. Mm -hmm. If somebody left a piece of rebar sticking out of the ground, you're not gonna stop your eyes on the rebar and then get mm -hmm. to your target. You're gonna go right over that, which is why so many times when people are following their dot, you see them shoot that rebar or yep. shoot the cable the that goes to a popper yep. that activates a swinger, mm -hmm. these teeny tiny little targets that would be impossible to hit. Mm -hmm. And they're hitting it because they look at it. Mm -hmm. So the saccade stops you from looking at it and it's the fastest possible eye movement. Yeah, it's funny you said something. It's the whole saccade thing is something I 100% borrow from you and I've taught a lot of my students. And something people um, kind of mess up is, is something buried in the statement you said is, is jump to your spot on your target, not jump to your target, jump to the spot exactly. on the target. And that's where some people get a little weird where they, their eyes do jump to the target and then they see the target, they shoot the target and they're like, man, how did I shoot that no shoot exactly on the perf right there? And I'm like, well, that's what you saw, man. You actually, congratulations. You shot exactly what you saw. That's actually, I, I'm mm -hmm. happy to see that. Pick a better spot next time if you don't want to shoot that. But as far as I'm concerned, you shot what you looked at. You shot exactly what you looked at. Congratulations. Yeah, so the contrast funny. between the brown and the white really sucks your eye yep. right to that line. And that's yep. why all the white pasters are just on the edge of the no shoot. Right there. Because it's the first thing you see. And if you don't have that spot that you're saccading to, then that's your first, first issue right there is you're not using the red dot to its potential is you're not really using the red dot to its maximum uh, usage. It's snapping it to each one of those little spots, picking that spot on target and really defining where I want to put the dot rather than steering the dot into it. Yeah, so suppressing visual information, we use that to suppress no shoots or hard cover mm -hmm. 
or the edge of the target or anything mm -hmm. we don't want to be looking at. But we there's something else we suppress. Do you know what that is? Oh, I feel like I'm being tricked. <laughs> you actually, when you're shooting a red dot, you have to suppress the dot. I was going to say the gun itself. The dot is just out that in space. Too. Yeah, I'm just not paying attention to the what's in my hands. I'm looking downrange entirely. And it sounds so weird. You think, mm -hmm. oh, well, that's what I'm looking for is the dot. No, no. you're looking for your spot on the target. Yep. You should be yep. target focused. Your spot mm -hmm. on the target should be clear. Mm -hmm. The dot is just superimposing on what you're looking at, which is the target, not the dot. You're aware yep. of the dot. And if you have an index, it's just going to be there. So it's funny because I, I said I said it earlier. I'm like, it sounds so Mr. Miyagi. It sounds so wax on, wax off. But like, right, you right. don't look at the dot. You are aware of the dot. You don't see the dot. You know where the dot. I, know I do sound so like crazy. a crazy person. No, it's right though. And I tell my students, it really is like, that's exactly what it is, is you have to trust the process. You have to understand that's how it works visually. I could use a lot of fancy words like, like ocular convergence. And I could use this. It doesn't matter though. Oh, Just yeah. Trust me. Stare down range see the dot come in and then normally what i explain to people is something you know how to do is we're looking at the computer we're doing it right now um look at a uh, a folder and bring your mouse to it did you see the mouse or were you aware of the mouse did you see the icon or are you looking at the outline do you even know the color of the icon you have no idea you just knew exactly where it was just because you're aware of it where where was i focused the target i was focused on that stupid little folder and then the drop down and then this and my eyes are snapping to the next target and I'm just bringing the dot to it. I'm just bringing the dot to it. I'm just bringing the dot to it. So people know how to do it. And they go, oh, oh, yeah, I am on a computer eight hours a day. I do know how to see that. Oh, I do know. Mm -hmm. how, okay, that does make a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, yeah, you know how to do it. We just, we, we get very um, confused when we pick up guns. I mean, you, we joke about this right. all the time. You could put a gun in a, a college athlete's hand and all of a sudden they don't know how to run. So it's, right. it's yeah. you put guns in people's hands and they're like, they don't understand what they know how to do. But you know how to do this. You do. You really do. It's easy. Yeah, so we're suppressing the dot. You're aware of the dot, but you're focusing on the target. So if mm -hmm. you're really struggling with that, do you want to give us some tips that people can do as sort of training wheels to get through that? <laughs> yeah, so one of the things I've been bullying most of my students into doing is this right here, is the dot occlusion that everybody's been talking about, is go ahead and tape off just the front of your optic so that you can still see the dot in there. So it literally forces you to stare down range if you want to pick up your target. If you want to see your dot, it forces you to remain down target and just kind of float it into your open vision. So people who tend to squint, you'll kind of learn to open both eyes. People who shoot with two eyes open, you'll kind of learn to put it in front of your, your dominant eye and use your non-dominant eye instead of just keeping it in front of your head. So it's, it's interesting, but in practice, that is one of the best ways I can get people to lock onto targets and stay locked onto targets. And even people, if you shoot a dot and you're listening to this and you're like, ah, I can shoot a dot, don't worry about it. I've had a lot of students slap a piece of tape on and go, whoa, oh, it turns out I wasn't target focused. Even if they were shooting the dot well, it just turns out, holy shit, I wasn't target focused. Or might, maybe they were just target focused through the lens because that's a lot of thing that, a lot of, one of the, the things that blows people's mind. Well, you might be target focused, but are you target focused through a two inch little lens? Or are you target focused from your vision from behind the gun? Because that's right. two different things now. And I didn't realize that right. until the season that that's actually an issue with some people. It's like, I am staring at the target. Oh, you're staring at it through a window like this big. That's going to be an issue. Yeah. That's going to be an issue. Okay. So we need to slap that off. 
don't give you the option to look at it anymore. And all of a sudden you see people make this adjustment and they're like, boom, oh, whoa, whoa. Okay. And then I watch somebody run a plate rack faster than they've ever run it. I'm like, oh, there you exactly. go. All right. And then yeah. the next step up from that is you remove the occlusion and just turn the brightness way down oh, on your yeah. dot. Yep. 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 And just trust that little flash that you think you see. Yep. It's very so, interesting. Let's talk about the wiggle. A lot of people struggle with the wiggle. So uh, that's, that's funny because um, everybody coming from iron sights or people who like, I, I just call them my slower shooters, my accurate shooters, they need a still dot. They need it so bad. And you know, it's never going to happen. A still dot. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Unless you bench rest it, but not what we're talking about here. So you're going to have to get used to the wiggle. The wiggle has to be your friend. You have to be, I just, I, it's just going to have to be like a, a, dog, a dog tail wag. Just like it. It's a good thing. Enjoy it. <laughs> well, even with iron sights, sometimes the wind's blowing super hard and, you know, it's kind of swaying. Mm. Or if you're on an unstable platform, it's kind of swaying and you just pull the trigger when yeah. it crosses the spot you want to hit. I mean, the best thing I could relate to people is everybody knows dot torture the 10 dots that you shoot at mm -hmm. whenever I'm teaching people and they are shooting dot torture for the first time they always go right hand only and they're like oh my god I can't keep the sight still so I was like ah don't worry about it just focus on the trigger knowing damn well that that's going to be the best group they shoot and guess what happens every time right hand and left hand and I go so listen what you just saw that shake that wiggle and you accepted it and you thought about trigger and you thought about your grip well welcome welcome to the world of shooting faster because that's going to be what you need to learn is just accept the wiggle accept the shape within your margin of error that's where jj Rikaza's attack control drills and stuff come in because you learn your margin of error you learn what is my attack what is my control stuff like that and you you, you kind of learn to read your gun that's my one of my favorite things is i just read my gun what is my gun telling me right now does, does how still does it need to be depending on that target out there it's kind of like the same moment with iron sights when you recognize that at five yards, your front sight can be occluded slightly to the left, the right, mm -hmm. a little high, a little low, and those are all perfect alphas. Yep. And your brain mm -hmm. is telling you, no, 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 no. And it's actually alpha, 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 yep. alpha. Yep. Which is funny because right as I hit, um, I didn't let myself go to dots uh, competition-wise until I hit um, master class or uh, just A class in production. And I was like, all right, now I'll go play with dots. But right as I hit um, A class in production, what I actually hit my stride in doing was target focused. And I didn't realize because this was like seven years ago and nobody was talking about it yet. Uh, at least they weren't making a mess of it on Instagram. <laughs> we'll, right. we'll say that. But um, yeah, so it was cool because it, it, it made sense to me. And when I went to dots, one of the big things was uh, I kind of, I called it a sacrifice. I was like, all right, all my students, like I'm not a police officer. I'm not in the military. I'm not getting shot at. I'm just a competitor. I'll throw a dot on my gun. I'll only shoot it for eight months and we'll see what happens. I'll report back. Like I'll just kind of do this. This was in 2015, right? So 2016 comes around, eight months had gone by and I, I just went back to my iron sight gun and I realized, oh my God, every single time I draw my gun, regardless of if I actually pick up my front sight focus, it's always there. And I, I started, it clicked. I was like, oh my God, all right. So the awareness of my dot, the awareness of my index means I'm just aware of where my gun is pointing. And within a certain margin of error, obviously, everybody's got a different margin of error. Within eight, nine yards, I could just index the gun. I could just point the gun. So I, it's funny because um, sporting clay people say that all the time, point. We, we, we aim pistols. We aim rifles. You point shotguns. 
that's been right. that's always been something that I, I tell my people and somebody who comes from sporting clays into our sport has a hard time crossing those over except for right now right now i can tell you just just point at the target go ahead and point at the target what does that mean to you okay boom. what does that mean is that going to hit two alphas yes does it need to be any more precise no well yeah so you can get this level of, of target focus on iron sights that i just kind of found from getting really comfortable on my dot my dot led me to be a better iron sight shooter and that's where i kind of turned the tide and telling people hey it might be a good idea to get dots to you should get a dot just do it just get a dot it's, it just just go ahead and get dots on your guns and it's going to make you a faster shooter even if yeah. you go back to iron sights initially you might suffer yeah. but you're going to be faster and 100 well it fixed my presentation is what i found i tell all my my um my students that it's kind of like your own little coach built in where if i do mm -hmm. a draw and my dot's not there uh, fix your grip until it's there and you just got a cue. Oh, what did I need to do to fix? Oh, I, I wasn't squeezing my left hand hard enough. When I squeezed my left hand, there came my dot. All right, cool. It's showing you that when you have iron sights, I don't know if it's subconscious or you just, people just lie to themselves, but you'll see the sights coming out and you'll see this on the presentation and you'll fix it, but you can't do that with the dot. You can't, it just, it's got to land there. It's got to land there every single time. So you right. get a better sense of where my dot is in space in relation to my index. I love that word, my index. And it's just, where's my gun index? Where's my gun index? And it's, it's, it's a, a helpful tool, whether you're going to shoot competition, whether you're going to shoot dots forever or not, it's a very helpful tool. It really is a helpful tool. Yeah. And then you see people using a fine motor skill, like rotating their wrists, trying to find the dot. Well, yeah. what's faster, a fine motor skill or a gross motor skill? Mm -hmm. A gross motor skill, right? So instead, you know, with iron sights, the gun takes the same path as you would on the draw. So if you index on your target and reholster, coming back out, that's the same path you're going to take on the draw with iron sights because they're right on the slide. Mm -hmm. The problem with the dot, it's not right on the slide. You have maybe two inches or whatever it may be for you. And you have to index up higher and then sort of float the gun that last little mm -hmm. bit of the way and that's a mm -hmm. gross motor skill with your arms so it's a quick draw and then slight float just mm -hmm. in the last inch or two and that's going to help you find the dot without doing the whole wrist thing and if you do it and still don't get it if you just raise or lower your arms usually it's lowering your whole arms then yep. it's just going to be there that's generally what I tell people. It's generally, if you present, it's, it's don't represent your wrist. Or, yeah. yeah. Represent or grip your gun harder is generally what I'll tell people. If you go, Oh, oh there it is. Oh, I wasn't. Then it all, I it's the same thing as lowering your arms. Yeah. So it's funny. That but, wrist thing is, I, I, I tell people don't milk the cow. It's just drives me insane. I don't want to see people milking cows while they're, while they're drawing the gun. It's just, uh, it, it bothers me, but it makes sense. I mean, you don't realize you're doing it with your iron sights until I put it in your uh, dot in your hands and then you do it to a extreme level. Right. And then it's like, all right, we have it. We've figured out an issue. You have an issue with your presentation. You have an issue with your index. Most people are not most people. Some people do, some people don't, but we could figure that out with a dot and you wouldn't have figured that out. Just shooting irons forever. Right. Yeah. yeah you mentioned representing that is an option but it's a slower option than just slightly lowering your arms. When I say slightly lower your arms, that's for people who already have their grip nailed. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, yeah, if like, I your know grip this is isn't good. Where perfect is it? already, then fix your grip. 
Yeah. If you know your grip is right on perfect, yep. then just lower your arms. Yep. But it's it's funny too because the the whole dot um, occlusion thing kind of ruffled a lot of feathers to start in our community, and it was it was kind of a head scratcher to me because I've not been in the just the pistol community forever. Uh, I, I mentioned sporting clays. I come from a sporting clay background. Uh, my grandfather liked to shoot um, like biathlon style stuff, 22s, like lay down, just be accurate. And he was a hunter. So it's just like wood guns with scopes on them. He was a woodworker. He would make his own stuff. So it's like, I don't come from a sporty, sporty background. I come from kind of like a FUD background. But even the, <laughs> but, but that's my joke though, is even the FUDs um, in like the 70s were covering the front of their scopes to understand it was working. It's it's a way to, to, to fo- focus on your, pray and stay keep your target right. focus and use your your scope so it came up and i was like oh duh, why didn't i think of that and everybody started arguing and i was like wait hold on guys that's a thing already you guys know that's a thing already and it yeah. works like you know it works right so it came out i was like oh yeah duh yeah but just duh. remember that's only a training wheel yeah that's yeah. not how you train all the time no i i re- i uh refer to it as um resistance bands right like are you gonna right. press with resistance bands to train hell yeah like yeah you want to get stronger cool am i gonna go compete every competition with resistance bands on no i'm not gonna to do something to hold myself back willingly in a competition i'm going to remove the that that resistance and kind of feel that extra speed is the way i look at it that's that's kind of what i like that said i have beta tested beta tested i'm giving myself way too much credit but i i I tested myself um shooting a a match a couple matches and a major match included and i liked it i didn't mind it now that said i am a cross dominant shooter i shoot glocks which have uh we'll call it a questionable grip angle and uh i i could use the not assistance. for you though no they fit me but it's like i could use the assistance down range just because i'm cross dominant and like not getting confused like through ports and through weird stuff like that and i shot uh area eight which was an incredibly hard match uh occluded but there's a lot of weird stuff weird like holding a port open and shooting like that wobble bridges like leaning and shooting weird stuff uh, really really low ports and it kind of it helped me not lose focus so it's cool now that said, do I think it made like a advantage or disadvantage? Uh, I hate to say I don't. I, I wish I took it off halfway through the match so I can better answer this question. Um, I won't shoot another match with it occluded. I don't think, but um, I like it as a training tool. Like most of the time, I like it for dry fire. I like it for a lot of my um, simple practice. If I'm shooting stages or if I'm shooting like bigger arrays, I try to take it off to make sure I'm staying focused. If I stop focus i'll tape it again and i'll just keep torturing myself and trying to continue focus yeah it does train you to have a soft focus but still mm-hmm. pick up your dot yeah but i wouldn't do it all the time it's no. just sort of a training no. wheel so it's something else you can do to train your eye strength to help you switch your focus like that is just hold out your thumb in front of you focus on your thumb relax your eyes and focus on the wall behind it then focus on your thumb relax and focus on the ho- the wall behind it and just keep switching back and forth. Those are your accommodation muscles. Very important for shooting. And there are a lot of other exercises too. That's just one example. You can yeah. also do the same yeah. thing with your dot. If you have a dot or iron sights, yeah. switch between the dot or iron sights and then relax to a soft focus to the wall behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Because I tell a lot of my students, uh, if you're not getting a dot at first or if you're struggling with this, well, your eyes are muscles, they'll get stronger. 
there's ways to figure this out. Occlusion is one of them. What you just said is a huge thing. A lot of your eye training and spot training and transition training is what I refer to people. I actually have a little, like I have the, a couple of my targets have your little sticky on mm -hmm. them from your, your dry fire kit. Stuff like that is, is really good little cheats for people to kind of train your eyes. And then once you can do it with the cheat, take the cheat away. So you can keep doing mm -hmm. it, keep doing the juggle until I can do it. So it's, it's right. a very simple process when you zoom out and think of it like a sports science. It's very difficult when it gets involved in guns and ego and I want to get this and just let me get it already. And people get very right. frustrated very quickly. And it's, I understand it from both, both ways. I come from, again, a FUD, uh, FUD side of things that would never practice and never dry fire. Like they just do, they, we just go hunting and then we don't, and then we go to hunting and then we don't. It, this is weird for a lot of gun people. Now what's funny is I find the guys coming from like tennis and like analytical side of things they get really good at stuff like this our 70 year old accountant <laughs> richard who is like the the most analytical guy i know who i can turn to he's been shooting for like a year and a half i'm not giving him enough credit but he's been shooting for a, a limited amount of time and i could turn and be like richard what's the hit factor on this going to be and i'll be like uh, it'll be like 5.7 for you probably if, as long as you shoot that target and that target I'm like jesus christ like the guys coming from the analytical side of things do very well with these new concepts like dots they do very well with new concepts like hit factor and these classifiers mm -hmm. and all this stuff it's the guys coming from i've been shooting my whole life that don't do very well with it it's funny most of, <laughs> most of the time so right? this is kind of a funny story from costa being in the class obviously he doesn't deal with hit factor ever mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he had heard of it, but never actually had to sit down and work through it until my class. I like math. So you want to tell, tell everyone what happened with that? It was just he so was funny. Like, how do I know what it's going to be? Yeah, he's just watching him like analyze through this and going like, no, no, no. And you of all, him of all people, you know your hits, you know your splits, you know what it's going to be. So you could tell us this. Yeah. And it was like that confidence to be able to say, this is what it's going to be. If I go this fast, I could do this. If I do this, I could do this. So when you break down the skills and show somebody what they're capable of, Hit Factor does, beyond the sports side of things, it does show you what you're truly capable of. So I love teaching like that. And he went, oh my God, I could do this. Oh, I could go that fast. I could, wait, I could miss faster and still get a better Hit Factor? Like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Hold on. <laughs> I was so confused. How wait, are you getting Charlies? And I'm I can getting absorb the and mics? He, yeah, like it was crazy to, to watch him analyze that. But then, yeah, it, it's, you go, okay, it does. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. I see. All right. I understand. And you can take that lesson back to anywhere. You really can, but it, it was, it's funny to see that. It really was. Yeah. So he said to me, I've never shot this drill before. There's no way I could know what my hit factor would be without shooting it. And you had just pulled up to the range, climbed out of your truck. And I said, Sam, you're going to shoot this in about a hit factor of 15. Plus or minus literally, a hit factor. Literally, hold one. on. Let me put my belt on. Like, yeah. Like, and I was like, I was I literally even just thinking got to in, myself, yeah. down to the detail, I thought, I thought to myself, okay, if he shoots this in two seconds, he's going to have all alphas. It'll be about a 15. Yeah. If he goes just below two seconds, he's going to drop a Charlie. And what happened? Yep. Yeah, literally just that. It was like, all, I think it was all alphas in like 2.1. It was like on the money. And I, and you, and I turned no. around. You dropped one Charlie in 1.87. Oh, no, and then no, no. one oh, of the yes, guys yes, in the yes, class yes. turns around. He goes, oh, my How God, you know? your you... score was my draw. <laughs> poor poor Malas. I loved him. <laughs> He's drawn from appendix and giving himself so much shit the whole time.
but no, that was it was so funny to 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 show Chris like, yeah, no, no, you know me well enough to know that like, all right, I've seen him draw before. I know the draw is going to yeah. be something under a second. I know the splits are going to be about point two. I know this drill is quick and dirty. It should be two and a half seconds. And if he's screwed, okay, yeah, boom, fifteen second, fifteen hit factor, and everybody went, all right, I believe you. Now we'll get into the drill. Like that was it. It was all it took. It was funny. People were like, all right, all right, all right, I get it. I get it. I understand now. I'll try it. Now. Yeah. Everyone protesting. The second Sam steps out of his truck, I'm like, your hit factor is this. He shoots it. That's it. his hit factor. They're like, okay, well, I'll shut up and listen now. All right. I'll I'll do it. All right. And that's more the thing too, is it's not that like you should be doing hit factor math before stages. We're not teaching you to do now. A we're well, you're a witch and we're that's fine. They got to see that. That's fine. But really what it is, is, hey, I like to teach in that regard, too. It's like, hey, hit factor stuff. Hey, let's just see what your hit factor is to a draw to two right here, to two. All right. What's your individual um, split's going to be here? All right. Well, well, what's your transition of this target going to be? All right. You should be able to do it in this. Can we agree on that? And people, even from outside of the sporting world, can start to understand, all right, this is why we train in this, like, analytical hit factor fashion, because you could really break it down mm -hmm. and see what's lacking. So if I have you do this target, I have you do this transition, I have you do this target, and then I put it all together and I look on the timer and something screws up, well, we can just drill that out. Well, yeah, you don't have to be a exactly. USPSA shooter. It shows shooter. you your lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, you don't have to be a USPSA shooter to take gold away from that. I do that with my, my police officers. I do that with CCW people. I don't care. I can teach you anything with, with hit factor. It's, it's just showing you how to be efficient. That's all it is. It's a efficiency ratio. That's all it really is. But in the sport, it does show you what risks you should or should not be taking. Mm -hmm. It also mm -hmm. shows you if it's a little points heavy, a little speed heavy mm -hmm. what's your focus for this mm -hmm. stage you don't have to sit and calculate your hit factor although i have done that before on stages with disappearing targets or something weird like i had a stage where you have your stage and you can do like a 30 yard run to go and engage one target all I did was lean out of the fault lines and go bop, bop. So it's or just one shot. So it's yeah. not a failure to engage. Yeah. And then just took two mics and won the stage. Cause mm -hmm. I was the only one who didn't run that 30 yards. And that's the thing that used to bother the heck out of me in the game is like, we'd With be shooting. Matt, Cause Matt Olinchak would figure Matt it out every time. <laughs> He would kill me. We'd be at area eight and there'd be some speed shoot. And I'd be like, I'm going to burn this and I'm going to get 14 alphas. And he'd take half the amount of shots in half the amount of time because there was no penalty mics on the stage. And he just knew how to like out math me. And I was just like, God, oh, it would frustrate the hell out of me. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. I understand. So it's, it's funny. Yeah, I might not be able to outshoot you, but I can out math you. Oh, you can outshoot <laughs> me too. But it was frustrating to be out math because I was like, I didn't even get an opportunity to prove anything. He was just like, yeah, I can't stop being stupid. It's like, oh, yeah, I should stop being stupid. Good, good, good call. Yeah. But it's right, funny because so that's where you'd make the, the biggest gains in the sport is seeing somebody like that use their head and not mm -hmm. their muscle and it's like ah okay this is a sport of brain this is a sport of eyes this is not yeah. a sport of, of try hard i mean you have to try hard but that's not and what i mean. think that really shocked chris costa in this class he was like wow they're not just a bunch of neanderthals mm -hmm. shooting like mm -hmm. throwing rounds down range as fast as they can they're actually doing math while they're doing yeah, this. We're sitting here with a notebook and with calculators right. <laughs> and talking about splits and what. And yeah, it's like, why would you need to care about that? And then, yep, here we go. You have to be intelligent mm -hmm. to, be, to yes. be a part 100%. of the sport. 
I say that to people all the time. I, I go to the, go out to a USPSA match and find me a dumb guy because they just don't, they're not there. And if they're there, they're not there for more than a match or two. They don't last. And right. like, I'm not being mean when I say that. It's just, if you're not somewhat intelligent, you don't last in the sport because you need to be intelligent to succeed in the sport. You need to be t- intelligent to wrap your head around a lot of these concepts. So even if you're doing somewhat okay in the sport and you're being hard on yourself, you're probably doing better than you think if you can hang it in here for yeah. Like this you're is still not a, in the top half of one percent of all shooters in the world. Yeah, and, and that blows people's minds when I tell them that. I'm like, you gotta understand, you could be a C class nobody because everybody loves that term, and it doesn't matter. Like if you're a C class nobody and you can hang in there, you can outshoot most everybody else in the world that owns a pistol. Isn't that mind blowing? Like that's mind blowing. Oh. It really is. So it's, there's something to say for the whole hit factor and the way we train. I'm not saying you got to be into the sport, but you can manage a C-class. Any cop out right. there can manage a C-class if you really put your head to it. So I'm, not, I'm not calling anybody out or anything. But. So we'd strayed a little bit off topic, but back to Red Dot, what did we not cover that maybe you wanted to bring up? Anything you can think of? Because I was, I was intermittent, so you guys did some swinger stuff when I wasn't there, but that was something that I've loved to be messing with people recently with, with uh, red dots and swingers and kind of understanding mm-hmm. what you can get away with as far as dot movement and all that. And it, it's, it's kind of crazy what the dot affords you to get away with, but you have to put the time into learning the dot. That's kind of what it is. The dot tells yeah. you a lot about your gun. You just have to invest the time into kind of picking up that information. Oh yeah, you get so much more feedback from a dot than you mm-hmm. do from iron sights. Yeah. So, so it's something I, actually... I noticed. Good. Something I noticed people really overthink a lot is, especially on sliders, they think, "Oh, you have to lead the target." Well, your eyes automatically are gonna tell your body what to do, and if you overthink it, that's when you're gonna mess it up. Mm-hmm. It takes about 0.18 seconds for your eyes to match the pace of the target moving. But once they're there, they, the visual input automatically yeah, tells your body what to do. You don't have to think mm-hmm. about it. Like, were you the one who told me that football analogy? If somebody's running, maybe that was someone else. No, I but I so. liked the analogy. They said, well, if someone's running and you're going to throw them the football, you're not going to think, oh, I have to lead on them by three feet because they're running at 7.4 miles yeah. per hour or whatever. <laughs> you're just gonna look at them and throw the ball and it's gonna go where they end up you don't think about it it just happens your eyes just tell your body what no it makes sense i played lacrosse and that's exactly what you do somebody's running downfield you wouldn't be like i'm gonna throw it four feet ahead of them you would just throw the ball exactly you just look where i'm gonna put it and there it goes yeah there it is yeah, no, it's 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 funny because it does sound like magic and it sounds like I'm being facetious to some people who have been aiming their whole lives. And I'm right. like, no, 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 I'm not like I'm not fucking with you. I swear to God. Like I'm not I'm not being mean to you. I'm not messing with your brain right now. I'm I'm saying you don't need to aim so hard. You don't need to try so hard. Try this. Don't try so hard. Trust your body, trust your index, trust your eyes, trust your brain. If you do your training, it'll kind of pay off and the whole thing too is if you don't fail, you won't know if it's not paying off. You got to fail and see what's working. So. All right. So you had a couple other topics. Let's move on to cross training with USPSA. You touched on this a little bit, but for work, so, if you carry a gun for work. Yeah. So we actually, it's actually a weirdly good analogy is um or a good intro. We were just talking about hit factor stuff. And uh, I like to ask all my, my, um, 
the guys that I train with, especially the SWAT officers and the police officers, because I tend to train a more serious group of guys. Like I, I'm not just on the line yelling at every cop. I, t- I train with guys who seek it out. So they're typically in the gym and typically doing stuff like that. And they go, hey, what's your bench number? What's your squat number? What, what's your mile time? And they got it. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Uh, what's your draw time? Uh, well, uh, what's your split time at 10 yards? Yeah. Ooh, well, did I warm up? Uh, is it nice outside? Uh, (laughs) and I'm like, no, man, like that's not, you just answered me your squat number real freaking confidently. You you had it. It was right there. So it's, it's, it's a weird ego thing. And, um, I I have a problem that, that people don't know their numbers. They don't know what their performance metrics are. That's all it is, is is performance metrics. I want to know, can Mm -hmm. I produce a gun safely at this distance at this uh, place? Should I choose to not, should I move? Should I not, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do in your head now. Also, does it hurt to know um, I could step and draw and put shots on a target while staying target focused within 10 yards in under a second? Does that hurt? I don't think that hurts. <laughs> I talked to a lot of guys who have been in shoots and been in situations and I very, very jokingly asked them in front of other people, hey, do you wish you went slower and like took a better sight picture and like, <laughs> your trigger more? And by the time I have that out, I'm getting like smacked in the back of the head and they're like, shut up, you know, shut the, shut up, Sam. So, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's not bad to understand what I can do under speed and pressure and then just translate it to whatever you do. Cause that's the funny thing where some, somebody going on online about don't dry fire, don't dry fire. And it's, it's gonna tr- create training scars. And well, everything we do creates training scars. It's just your job to acknowledge what your training scars are and pertaining to your work and fix it, that's all. So yeah, guys, don't, don't double tap everything and move on. Like, yeah, Chris, that was a hard thing to break Chris of. It was like, yeah, you, you have to move your eyes off of the target when you're finished with it. But what if your job says you shouldn't do that? Well, yeah. right. Understood. You have to make sure they're down and they're not getting back up. You have to Understood. confirm. Yeah, so, so bump transitions might not be the 100% thing that you're going to take away from USPS yourself. But um, knowing how to control your dot under speed, knowing what your draw time is, knowing how to transition when you need to transition and how to pick spots on targets. Yeah, that, that'll help. So acknowledge what you could take away from it. Uh, shake away what you don't. And the, the crossover in training is huge. And, and some of the most successful police officers I know, and I, I don't even want to say police officers, SWAT officers, they're, they're the trainers, they're the top end of their guys. They're the best three gunners I know. They're the best USP, USPSA shooters I know. And then they also go back to work and they, they put on a helmet and, and plates and go kick doors, you know, like they're, they're the best shooters I know, period. So it's, it's definitely not a, a chance. It's not like a happenstance that they just happen to be the best shooter on their squad and they shoot USPSA. That's not a coincidence. It's, there's no way. It's just not, not a chance. So it's, it's, um, it's something that I'm seeing is, is getting more acknowledged, though, that the USPSA, yeah. at least the competition side, the, the pressurized shooting side is starting to get out there more. I, I think just teaching people to, to shoot with hit factor in mind is a, is a pretty eye-opening thing for people. It's not all accuracy. It's not all speed. Think with your brain a little bit more. So what if one of these guys just showed up to a match with whatever gear they had? So I love this. I love this because yes, they should come. That's what they should be doing now is now that we've kind of softened all the holster requirements and everything, all the light bearing requirements and all that come shoot. We could come, come, come use your, your duty rig. Come use your duty gear. I mean, I always joke too, because I say duty and I laugh about it because Here's my comp- competition gun. It's a Glock 45 with the my carry light on it. You know what I carry? This, this one. 
this mm -hmm. one, this one. So I have other Glocks that I shoot. Like this is my three gun Glock because three gun is the time where we like whip them in buckets. So I'm like, all right, I'll have a beater Glock. They'll like, like yeet into buckets sometimes. So that's fine. <laughs> but like for USPSA and everything else I do, well, here's, here's my gun. <laughs> so I laugh when people talk about duty versus carry. Cause I'm like, duty, what are you talking about? I just milled a dot onto my Glock. I shoot a stock trigger. I shoot stock everything. I, 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 I do pretty well with it. It's fine. It's okay. It's, it's all right. So these guys have nicer, more uh, decked out guns than I do. And they tell me that I'm, I'm a gamer. I'm like, no, 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 no. Bring your rig out, right, so bring your stuff out and just come play with us. That's all you got to do is just come play with us. So what about the guys who need to train with an AR? You can't shoot an, an actual AR in USPSA, but what oh, can you do? I love it because that's my favorite new thing that I'm playing with right now is my PCC is the best thing and I'm, i was actually just having a conversation with um one of the sales reps for modern material that's my sponsor modern material but uh, they're buddies of mine and one of the sales rep is a personal friend of mine and i'm pulling him into shooting a match on the 23rd and i'm like hey let's shoot pcc come on let's shoot pcc there's a lot of stuff online about rifles and stuff right now but like it's also not for nothing i'm i know this sounds funny i look young i'm, I'm getting old and my hands are very cold right now so I'm like, all right, I want to shoot a rifle. I want to get some work in with my rifle. I want to transition my rifle around. And what a better way to do it than it just looks like an AR to me, right? That's pretty much an AR. It's just uh, it's just Glock mags, but it's an AR. So all the same stuff I would practice in three gun, all the same stuff I would practice with my guys inside shoot houses and keeping my gun up and being able to do good transitions and things like that. Well, yeah, we have a it's way to do it. still all the same manipulations. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to be uh, extra safe and do all that extra stuff, nobody's ever going to fault you for throwing safety on and, and coming to a high ready between positions. It's fine. As long as you're not breaking 180s, you're not going to get punished. And that's the other funny thing I joke with all these guys is, are you coming to win a match or are you coming to shoot? If you're coming to win a match, you're not going to be happy ever if you go to your first match and you expect to win. So get that out of your head. But if you're coming out to shoot, come out to shoot. Stop paying attention to your scores. Come take it as an opportunity to shoot two to 300, maybe 400 scored and timed rounds, pressurized rounds. Come see what Versus breaks. Versus a 40 round fall every six months. Yeah. yeah, nothing. Or just go mess around with your buddies. Because as much as everybody thinks going to a range day for three hours and I shot 500 rounds, I, what did you really do, right? Or you go to a match and everybody's first match, they text me after they go, thank you for sending me my first match. I can't believe how much I learned today. Like, see? See, what have I been telling you? You will learn more that first match. More people will talk to you. You'll see more gear. You'll be, you'll be introduced to more concepts. And not only that, you'll see it done. It's not going to be a bunch of guys talking around, patting themselves on the back. I'm going to go, hey, this is my stage plan. I'm going to try this. Watch this. And you're going to go, that was a dumb idea. I'm not going to do that. Like, you'll see it. Or you'll see that guy go, hey, come here. Check this out. Try this out. You'll see the guy. He's a GM. He burns it down. And I'll probably listen to that guy and you'll pick up some stuff from this guy. You'll see what dot he shoots. You'll see what gun his, uh, what holster does he use? What do you carry? And you'll start to make friends and talk to these guys who actually shoot. <laughs> I hate to say it like right. that, but if you have an instructor that doesn't compete well, or actively shoot put his line, a lot more rounds than a 40 round fall yeah. every six months. Yeah. I, I've been putting this out there a bunch, but if you have an instructor that doesn't actively compete or actively put his line, life on the line, what is he doing? Like, what is he doing other than reading you what he's been read? There's no, if you don't have your skin in the game, if you're not putting your money where your mouth is and trying and failing and, and, and coming back to your people and giving, giving them real results, what are they even doing? Competition is like the way to prove your chops. I always right. tell people too, you think you have your, your carry rig set up? 
come to a match, something's going to break and you're going to be like, thank God it broke on Sunday with all my friends while meeting a PB and J between stages. And it wasn't when I was doing some drawdown in a back alley somewhere, right? Like just come run your gear, come run your gear and see what breaks. Just see what breaks. That's all. If nothing breaks. Congratulations. You have a bulletproof rig. Good. Yeah. You mentioned the 180. That's one things guys struggle. One thing guys struggle with yeah. coming to a match yeah. because in the real world, there's no 180. It's yeah. a 360 yeah. world. And I have to say, I was super impressed with Costa. He mm-hmm. never once broke the 180. He didn't he even have one of those moments where he was like, oh, 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 oh. no, he was fine. He, he could program really, it. He head. visualized it. Mm-hmm. Like that was his main focus getting through mm-hmm. the class was I am not going to break the 180 in this mm-hmm. class. And, and we did like kamikaze and the kamikaze setup you didn't yeah. mean. It was like weirdly backwards. I and did do like it that. mean. Like, the, and he did it, he, he did it the mean way too. He was all the way in the background, all the way forward. Like he did all over the place and he was yeah. fine. So it really go, does show that like mental programming can help your game. It doesn't matter who yes. you are. Like it really does. Like you can just add that one little cue of like mental programming and boom, you can make a big difference to what you're doing. Cause it didn't take away from his accuracy or speed at all. No, hundred percent didn't, didn't at right? all. He hit all the plates. Actually, that was the weird thing. You had to kind of. <clears throat> we had to tell Chris and the rest of the class. Like normally, Kamikaze is a absolute train wreck for the first go because everybody screws up their first go. And what does Chris do? Is just one for one at the first time because he's which has never the, happened in my class before ever. No, I and I've done it with you so many times. I was like, come on, no, like plate four, plate five, no, plate six, no way. Like first guy, first. Usually, one, it's really. like first shot they miss. So it shows you like, usually. It, I mean, is it going to ever, does what we do, um, is it an extra thing to think about? Is it extra training? Sure. Does it affect your accuracy or speed? It, it didn't seem to. It didn't seem to at all. I've never seen that happen before. So. Me neither. Yeah. Usually yeah. we get through everyone and they say, okay, Kita, if it's so easy, let's see you do it. Oh. And I do it. And they're like, and then you do it. Oh. Uh, crap. Now and then to. everybody lines up to do it again. Mm-hmm. I think we got three say, through. Sam, was, I'm tired. You do it. <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah, it's show pony time, right? Yeah. But it, it, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. We got like three people through before we had to be like, look, this is not normal. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know if you right. all had like like Wheaties this morning or what happened. What you have like, for breakfast, yeah. Yeah, like every, it, everybody. It's like, waffles. It, yeah, it, that's, you know Stove what? Stove top tastings. Yes, I will shout He's out been, to waffles. Oh my God. little shout out to waffles at Stove oh, top yeah. tastings. He's been doing all the catering for my classes and yep. all the classes at Double Eagle. Yep. Gourmet chef on site you don't have to go anywhere and eat and it's actually cheaper than going out to eat yeah it's, it's honestly really one of the food. best little additions we've had because i love oh, hosting Kita. i've been hosting Kita since i had like a i'm not joking it was a farm range it was we were surrounded by cows yeah. there was just like berms I popped we up built and, like, a we, boardwalk yeah literally i had grass. to put pallets down and put stuff so that we had a place to do a, a class so like we've done some rustic classes before and then coming <laughs> to double eagle was like okay cool now we have a range it's like a quarter mile from this like mansion that we had that was built in the 80s and yeah. now we like i called it a shooter's airbnb and now we had like this little like country club feel and then we bring in waffles and then we keep sprucing this place up and now we have the point where like 10 people are staying there we have catered food all we got to do is wake up learn from kita go back to sleep at night that was it that was it for two days and it like couldn't be a better situation up there anymore it, it's it's the best i honestly think that's making a big difference in the classes too because people are it does crushing it yeah it's a full shooter's experience. Normally you go to a class, maybe if you have a generous instructor, you'll have a class dinner, but a lot of times the instructors kind of need that me time and they need yeah. to go decompress, yeah. which I understand, but yeah. this is a 
full on experience where you are there on site with the instructor. You can pick their brain however long they want to stay out and converse. Yeah. I know. And if Steve they need Dunkel to go to bed, they go to bed. That. Steve always says that's where he learns the most stuff is at night. It's like when we're talking yes. and sitting there and like you can have that like deeper conversation and you have that moment where right. you're like, I have this like train of thought I want to talk about. Like you, you really get to the bottom of something because you don't want to stop a class to have that on the range. Right. So yeah, it's, it's invaluable to be able to like hang around and talk about all this. And like, you do realize how cerebral all this stuff is and how like it really is so much more about thought process and work and repetition and meaningful practice than it is the best gun this and the biggest this and the baddest this it's all going to be about mm -hmm. uh, like the the brain power you put into all this stuff and who's more upset i think it was jj that told me it's like the most successful shooters are a step below ocd like disorder yeah. is the one thing they're missing it's not like, a step below they're, yeah, they're pretty much they're undiagnosed we'll put it like that. <laughs> yeah well i say that sitting here surrounded by dry fire targets and just right. needing to like cover the vents in my home but i have dry fire targets oh and stuff goodness me. yeah if i so. turned my camera around you'd find targets on every everything wall. Right? everything hiding behind everything mm -hmm. like i use my mantle around my fireplace because if you move away a little bit, the target disappears. And then you move this way a little bit yep. and it reappears. So I have targets on each side. So as I move, they disappear and reappear. Yep. So you or know, like put that doorway like back behind here. Behind a chair. Yep. So you have to run all the way up to the chair, go up on your tippy toes, and then you mm -hmm. can see it. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's why I have this room. That's why I hate to admit that this has become my dry fire room because I tried to put it in my basement out of everybody's face. But then I look around and I have all these angles. And I have this door frame that goes up and I have this down and I have this bay window mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh man, I can't, I have, I, I just, I love it. I can throw my gun around and I'm a three gunner too. So I could throw a barrel in the middle of this and throw a gun down and pick up another one. So it's, it's good times. It's good times. But one people of the think really nice, one drill I really like with the rifle in your house is just opening an interior door and yeah. you just maneuver the rifle yep. back and forth around the door mm -hmm. just over and over. Mm -hmm. And you can go from like weak shoulder to strong shoulder or whatever you want to do just around that door with it basically right in this far in yep. front of your face. Yep. Just learning to pull it and a get couple it inches away from your face yep. and you have to really get that gun mm -hmm. all the way around it. And you can do that with a pistol as well because you do yeah. find those situations. Yeah, I mean, Area 8 was great. Pistols. A lot of times we were, I, I had to pick up a port and put it on top of my head and then stick a pistol through a window. So yeah, it happens. They're making it oh, worse. Oh, just a tip there. for that. If you have to put a port door on top of your head, don't do it with a baseball cap with the little knob on the top. All the Area 8 people out here listening. Yep. <laughs> that really hurts. So take a little cloth or something and put it mm -hmm. under your baseball cap so you don't have that little knob that's digs into your head it's extremely yep. painful yep a lot of people learn that the hard way i had uh blake you know this my student blake had a piece of foam like a full piece of foam he put underneath his ear so it was just like boing, boing, boing. so yeah it's, <laughs> it's you can think on your toes a little bit but i hate having to like alter my gear and game a stage when i'm when i'm trying to like mentally program so i just took the, the half a concussion and moved on it was yeah. it's just and knee pad works too yeah. If yeah. You, have, I ended up putting, you can always I, have a knee pad with you. I tucked literally my knee pad in my hat. That's the only thing I had. Yeah. So was it a, a jarring feeling? Yeah. Was it fine? I've had first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. I mean, it's better than having that little knob cut your yeah. cut your head open. But I I've will say that's where literally start bleeding. Oh yeah. Uh Dan, uh my buddy Dan, he uh 
the port just barely missed his head and it came down and like ripped his glasses off hit him hit him on the nose like it the whole thing came down and smashed his face he just narrowly oh. avoided blood yeah <laughs> well then you yeah. get to stop yourself because yeah the glasses issue. came off yeah it was yeah right. they, they they stopped him rightfully so but it was it was i don't want to say funny but it was one of those Ooh, oh he's okay yeah he's okay. Everyone cringes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was, of course, it's my buddy. I walk up, I'm like, how's your day going? He's like, great. Can you take film of the stage? I'm like, let me film this. <sighs> sorry, here's your camera. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But yeah, it's, it's funny part of our sports. But I will say, like, the whole dot craze through Area 8, there's a lot of that whole match that, like, I don't know. Not that I couldn't shoot it. That's such a cop out. Not that you couldn't shoot at iron sights, but like, it was a very, I'm thankful I had a It dot. was a so, yeah. tough match. Yeah. Some of those swingers, some of those movers and some of the weird angles and that, like I'm saying, the porch were holding stuff open. Like, thank God I have a dot for that that match. That I'm not afraid of shooting any match, but that was a tough match. And that, that was, yeah, thank, thank God. There was a couple of times where I uh, was shooting stu- uh, moving targets that I was literally saying to myself, thank God I have a dot. Yeah. All right. Is there anything we didn't talk about you wanted to touch on? I don't think so. We had a little list that we kind of flowed through very organically there. Yeah. Basically, what what my last my last point was USPSA will make you more better. That's that's it's always my more gooder. More gooder. (laughs) It'll make you more gooder. Sorry, you don't ever have to be. And I I always tell um, my people this: is I teach through the avenue of competition. You don't have to go to a regional. You don't have to go to a nationals. I don't care if you ever compete. I teach through the avenue of competition because it works. It works. I'm not the biggest, best, most popular instructor in the world, but I, uh, I have a lot of repeat people. I have a lot of people that trust me and I have a lot of people that I see the, the difference in. And all I do is teach what oh, works yeah. for me, which is what you taught me and what all the other competitors have taught me. And it's just an amalgamation of going, this is performance shooting. If this is the tool you use, let me make you better with this tool. That's it. Let me make you better with this tool. I have a, the super secret sport that'll help you so that's it all right so where can people find you so i'm on i'm on callahantraininggroup.com it's my website um everything i have is on there uh obviously i'm instagram facebook that's all up but callahan training group is where all my business goes on Uh, i host everything up at double eagle outdoors it's a little not little it's a huge range this 209 acre property we have up in uh, poconos pennsylvania our uh, website i just built is double eagle outdoors.org not com the com is broken.org um but uh that, that's kind of where i'm at constantly i'm always 24 7 365 talking to my people coaching that's what i do and if you want to reach me just email me 180 at gmail.com thank you for watching like and subscribe mm-hmm.